Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Good Grief. My name is Dr. Christine Malone, and in this podcast, we talk about trauma, tragedy, and survival. In each episode, I will interview someone that has gone through grief in some way, and we will discuss the impact it has had on their life. By sharing these stories, we hope that others won't feel alone should they be going through similar situations. Enjoy. Okay, yes, thanks so much for joining us today. My guest today is going to tell us a little bit about um, the grief that she experienced uh, when she's lost her childhood best friend. So um, go ahead and just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, when asked about this, I thought, gee, what might not have been covered in some of your, your podcasts? Because certainly, if you had to rate losses, right, from one to 10, um, while losing your best friend from childhood is significant, it's in a whole different category than than other losses like the loss of a child or or others that you can imagine or even a parent especially when you're young you know um but it's something that happened in my life a couple of years ago i'm the youngest of 3 and neither of my siblings have uh had that experience yet I, so usually as the youngest i can draw upon what they did well or didn't do well through a new experience and this was you know unique for me uh, so we'd been friends since about 10 years old. Her name was Jackie, Jackie Salerno from a big Italian, wonderful family in New Jersey. And I'm from a small, not Italian family in New Jersey. <laughs> and we both grew up in a little mile square town and we met on the softball field in fifth grade. She was a pitcher and I was a shortstop and she was really good at it. And that's what stood out. We just started, you know, being friends. And by the time we got to the dreaded middle school years, uh, we were each other's crutch for what life was bringing as a middle school, you know, 13, 14, 15 year old um, girl. And Jackie had a dream of being a cheerleader. And she actually loved this book named The Cheerleader. Uh, it took place in Bennington, Vermont area and so on. It was just an adorable teenage love story. But oh boy, it was our Bible on how to like, you know, talk to boys and everything you you think in the 70s back then, because that's your goal is, is a boy going to like me, you know, kind of thing. Um, but she wanted to be a cheerleader. I didn't want to be a cheerleader. I didn't want to stand in front of anybody. She wanted to stand in front of everybody. And she needed a person to try out with. Everything had to be in pairs. Begged me, please try out with me. Doesn't matter if you make it or not, because you don't want to be a cheerleader, but please try out. So we did. <laughs> and I did it with her. And we would go to my grandmother's house who had a very long, wide mirror to make sure that our arms were in sync and did everything cheerleader-ish that you were supposed to do. And we both became cheerleaders. Much to my chagrin, I became a cheerleader. <laughs> and and our friendship continued to deepen because we were at practices together. And then the boyfriends kicked in and you know all the things you go through with your best friend who understands you in a way or you're convinced at that age, your own parents could never understand you and other people could never understand you. And you ask each other questions like you might even have the answer when neither of you has any experience <laughs> to get through any of it, but you have each other. And so that was that was us through high school. And I had the, you know, she was there for me when uh, the high school boyfriend and I broke up. She was there for me when my now husband entered my life. And he was, you know, like the, the town bad boy from the next town over. So the 4.0 girl dating the bad guy was not supposed to be a good mix and, and so on. But she stood by me the whole way. Her, She had the first boyfriend who was a crud, but I supported her 
to point out you don't deserve him being a crud, but I'm here for you no matter, you know, and so on. Um, I developed, a, I would call it a low level um, eating disorder in college. She was one of the first people to say, what the heck are you doing? That's ridiculous that you've lost that much weight. And so I'm like, yeah, I think you're right. And, you know, cut it out kind of thing. She told my sister who confronted me, things like that. She, her aunt was dying our first year of college. So she was where she was, I was where I was, and everything was a payphone. I had no money to call her and talk to her regularly about the distress over her aunt dying, That who was like a second mother to her. So what do I do? I called her number and I charged it to my father's business <laughs> and talked to her time after time after time. I thought, well, if I get in trouble, then at least it's for a good reason. And I did get caught. My father's uh, office assistant finally showed the phone bill to my father and said, Susie's been using the our, you know, our line to talk to so-and-so. And so I paid him back um, and explained, he, he says, I can't be mad at you for helping Jackie, um, but yeah, you owe us whatever, <laughs> you know? So, um, you know, things like that, that we just would technically break the law to help each other through so much. And, and then, you know, flash forward our marriages, we built, and everything was parallel for us in so many ways. But the beauty of the most beautiful thing is that I had this really great guy friend in high school and got together with my best girlfriend. They ended up married. Um, and then she was, you know, she loved my boyfriend, despite he was the wild one kind of thing. We just stuck by each other, each other's weddings. Um, she had daughters just daughters i had just daughters we everything we did was parallel when her husband got sick my husband got sick we both had husbands with challenges early on in our in our marriages that you know gee what a, what a surprise so they, our lives were just so parallel and and we just ended up you know saying oh we're going to just going to get old together so you flash forward and you're busy with your kids and we didn't get to see each other and talk to each other as much but we always stayed in touch and um uh, and then her husband had a very terrible weightlifting accident. He had rheumatoid arthritis and um, worked out almost every day as a high school teacher to keep all of his joints as mobile as they could. Well, one day his uh, workout partner wasn't available. So he, as she said, foolishly went and worked out anyway. And he had a weightlifting accident where, where the bar came across his throat. Long story short, five people got their miracle through his organ donation, but he didn't make it. So this is when we were in our forties and Jackie never recovered. And she lived in fear that my husband was going to die because her husband died and we do everything in parallel. And I said, Jackie, he already died, but they saved him on the table and he got a stent. We don't know why he's moving forward and John isn't, but we still both went parallel it's just that we don't, we, there's no explanation. She never recovered. She never, the, the only way I can describe it is she never joined the world again, but she was a, she really rose the occasion to be, uh, her kids were 19 and, and almost 16 when he died. And she really rose the occasion, getting them through the grieving and um, immediately finding a really great therapist for the three of them to talk to individually and together. Uh, she let she she said, well, you let your daughter go to Australia. I'll let mine now go to Italy. If you could do it, I could do it and let her daughters thrive. And they're 
thriving to this day. But about six years into all this, she was um, diagnosed with a very rare sarcoma. And um, I get a chill thinking about it. So I hadn't heard from her in a couple of days. And she had been talking about not feeling that well, but she was not a big complainer. So one day I just texted her and I, I said, wherever you are right now, I'm praying for you and I'm here for you. And that was literally two minutes after she told she was told she was already pretty much terminal. That by the time she was diagnosed, because this, this sarcoma, lyomyosarcoma was of a type, the symptoms don't surface very much until it's severely metastasized. She made it 10 months somehow when probably it should have been in the range of four, you know, but she was determined to show her daughters some, some determination and get everything in order for when, and for her mother as well, who was a widow when it was her time. And so I got to be with her the day before she passed. That was a gift because she wouldn't let anybody else in our crowd come see her at the end. And when her daughter said, can, and I live two, two hours away and she's, her daughter called, can you come? Of course I can, you know, so I did. And, um, and then when I was with her, she, she said, again, why did John have to die? And I see him, he's right here. I said, yeah, he's right there over to the left. And she said, why do you have to die? I said, because he needed to wait for you. And she goes, but I don't want to go anywhere yet. I said, then don't. I said, but when the time is right, you'll know. So it was, it was beautiful that I got to be with her at a, the worst time of her family's life. And, you know, but the beauty that came of that in watching her two daughters who are now, one's the husband, one's the fiance, lift, Jackie was smaller than I am, lift her from room to room. To, they slept there for a week, the two boys and the daughters to see her through. I've never seen such a thing, Christine, in my, I don't know if I ever will, the beauty and the love radiating that the entire week. I was there actually two days total, stuffed in two days. And God gave me the role of getting her mother talking. So she just told me her whole life story, even though I had probably heard it five times prior. And, and cause they're like, get my mother, the, the siblings were like, keep my mother busy, you know? So I did. And, and I was a source of comfort to her mother after she died until she couldn't talk to me anymore. And I expected it. That's a whole nother story. Why I knew that was coming because then the pain became too much that my girls got married. They're two out of, you know, all the, I, I'm a grandma. I'm now things Jackie didn't have the opportunity to experience here on earth. So I understand why her, now her mother's about 93, still has her mind doing great. And I'll see her for the first time in four years at her one daughter's wedding that's coming up. So they invited me. So it's going to be very emotional, but that's okay. You know, I would imagine for the, for the mom, I, I mean, I, I don't think it'd be any surprise for anybody that what she's feeling is she sees you and she knows that, that, you know, you, you represent yeah. what happened with Jackie and how sad. Well, and it's those feelings. Why does she get to have these beautiful things in her life? And my daughter and Jackie was a treasure um, why, you know, she's been very busy with why. And as I, I'm a, I'm a pastor. And on one of my first sermons, when I became a pastor was when, when good things happen to us, do we ever say why, do we ever say why me, why'd that good thing happen to me? Maybe sometimes, um, when something bad happens 
do we ever say, well, why not us? It happened to that person down the road. Why not? You know, it's, it's a struggle for all of us and no judgment on, on anything. So Jackie was always that person who one of a kind, the depth of our, our knowledge of each other. So I was one of those people, once I got out of high school and I got into the professional world and I don't know, I, I just put it all behind me. Like I didn't do the crazy things I did. Right. Oh, not, you know, I was, past all that. I don't know. But then I talked to Jackie and I'd be right there. Well, you were the one driving 12 of us in your car dangerously to the next party or, you know, whatever it was, you know, just saying, well, Susan, what about the time you did this or that? And, and she, she kept all of us in our, in that group of friends, she kept us grounded, you know, and she, and we laughed and never stopped laughing. No, I mean, my husband always say, I never heard you laugh like that as much as when you're on the phone with her. And I said, yeah, because we're laughing at ourselves. We're laughing at what we've said and done, to, you know, now and then. And the the thing about losing your best friend since childhood is that can never be recreated. Nope. So I have wonderful friends in my life that I feel very close to. And I still have some high school friends that you're bonded to. But then there's that in that one particular friend that knew you through the very worst because you could trust her with it, knew you through everything and could and still thought you were OK. And the closest relationship I have to that now is my husband. I'm very, very blessed that we have that together, that he has seen the worst and the best. And I'm still on his on the top of his list and vice versa. So he has a friend that. Um, he's been friends with since first grade. I knew his friend before I knew him and he's already lost both his parents. You know, who knows down the road if he'll have that, that experience, hopefully not for a very long time or ever. Um, but he's all ears to hear about the difference of, yeah, when that friend passes or that person, there's that little bit of difference when it's almost like a family member. They knew you when, and a part of your past goes with them. Yeah. And so you have to grieve that and cope with that. Yeah. It's kind of like a, a sibling relationship if you have a really good relationship with your sibling, right? I mean, I'll, exactly. Of course. Yeah. You shared, like you, you were sharing where she brings up silly things that you all did that, you know, you're all grown up now, but those silly things yeah. happened and how fun those memories are and so on. And mm -hmm. to not, um, not have anyone else really that, you know, shares that, right? You can share your stories right. about those things, but that person you're sharing it with wasn't there. So they don't really know, right. right? How that felt and what the fun was and the exhilaration and so on. And that's part of what, um, what you miss when someone has, has, um, has passed. So how long has it been since she passed away? It's uh, just past four years already. Okay. It's the blink of an eye. So 2019. And then I became grateful that she, miss the pandemic. I'm really grateful that she didn't have to go through that. Her daughters, um, she had asked me to stay in touch with her daughters and I do. And, um, and, and they have a very good support system with other family members, but it, obviously it's not, you know, the same. And here's another parallel or connection to me and Jackie. So when her older daughter got married in 21, they were so excited for me to be there, Block Island, this big thing. And, and it was only about the wedding was seven, well, how many, you know, the wedding was four weeks before my daughter was due with her first baby. I said to my husband, I can't go. 
I said, I'm terrified to go because I'm going to cry through the whole thing. That's number one. I said, but the main thing was I don't want to be that far away from my daughter when she's only four weeks out. Now that's tied to the fact that my first daughter was even more preemie than that. Okay. So that's a whole nother memory. And she's going to be 30 soon. All ended well. Right. So that being said, I don't go to the wedding and they were accepting of it. Some, and there were a couple of high school friends that they, of my, you know, ilk, they invited in memory of their parents. Well, do you know, my granddaughter was born on that wedding day, mm. another link. It was like, Jackie was saying, yeah, don't go. I can't tell you why, but don't go. And I didn't go. And that baby was born the same day. Okay. And I thought God's plan, yeah. somebody's plan, you know? So another parallel in our lives. And I'll never forget her daughter's anniversary as a result. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. very sweet. I love that story. Yeah. So uh, as the time has gone by, I mean, what, when you think about, you know, grieving the loss of that relationship, um, mm-hmm. I, I be honest, I'm quite envy you for having had that relationship because I would have loved to have, but not all of us have that, that, that blessing. Mm-hmm. What, what do you, I mean, what would you say is help helpful to you in this last four years when you think of Jackie and what mm. she means and meant to you and what she brought to your life and, and, and so on? What, what, what helps you kind yeah. of move through those memories when they come? Gratefulness. It's very easy for me to respond. Gratefulness because the relationship existed and because I was blessed to have someone in my life like her. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'm grateful and I, and all the good things that I always said she was that I wasn't as, as good at, if you want to call it that, um, it, it bring it forward, bring it forward. The other thing I learned is that I, I don't ever believe that there'll be a relationship like that again, again, because the, just the history alone isn't there. My husband be the closest because I've known him since I was 20 and he knew about me since I was 16, like that's as close as it gets. Right. Um, but, but to, um, keep her memory alive, that that's what I do or, or what I try to do. I'm not, I'm not a social media person. When, when she died, I would not talk to her on social media, like talk to a dead person on Facebook. It's not, it's not for me. And I didn't even put, Oh, my best friend died. And I'm sad today for people to put up there my condol. I, I told all the high school friends, I'm not doing that. Do what you want, but I'm not doing that because I'm not looking for condolences on my Facebook page. When you have these two daughters who are, are, you know, early twenties with no parents, I said, I just can't go there. And then his siblings and his mother and her mother. And so I felt like I honored her more by keeping it all in my heart and bringing it forward who she was try to be as good as I think she she always was she was just always so good to everybody I don't know if she and she was really good at um one of our terrible things that we did was make fun of a lot of people between the two of us we were really bad about that she would get on she goes did you see so-and-so on Facebook oh my gosh don't you think she had a boob job or you know things like that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a terrible thing to admit, but we 
uh, she would start the conversation and I'd laugh through the whole thing. And, and I'm like, I think you're right, you know, <laughs> you know, whatever. And yeah. so that was another thing that was just between the two of us, you know. Um, but then the other side of it was the kindness that she put out to her entire family, anybody who crossed her path, always. And that's what you want to bring forward from a relationship that you lost to, you know, to others there I I don't even know I was talking to someone this morning about it where it says in the Bible and I know Paul said it that our pain getting through our pain is meant for us to use it to help others and I'm not saying I've succeeded at it but it's certainly a goal you know yeah. no I, I I firmly believe that which is the one of the main reasons behind this podcast and my my recent book and the work that I do um getting into teaching for me was all that to just, you know, kind of pay it forward. Some of the, the, the lessons oh. I learned and so on. Yeah. So I, I completely, <laughs> completely understand that. And I agree with that. Um, Christine, you know. seem to do that in everything you do. Oh, everything well, thank, you. You, you, thank you. I, yeah. I think there's, there's a lot under the surface that people don't see, but I do try my best to do like what you're doing with, with Jackie's memories and just, you know, keep, keep it going forward. But um, so last question I have for you is just if you had, yeah. you know, someone that you were talking to who had the same experience just this awesome best friend from, you know, childhood that you've just grown with and they've suddenly passed, what would you, what would you offer to them? What would you say, Hey, this is helpful. This isn't helpful. I'm, I mean, do you mm -hmm. have anything that you would even, even have to say about that? Yeah. Yeah. The, the first piece of, of, if you can find your way to being grateful that you had that kind of relationship, that, that's a process, right. To be grateful. Um, you bring your pain forward to others if you can, and that's not for everybody. I realize grief is so personal, but the other thing that I was ready to accept or willing to accept is it'll never, it's gone there will never be a relationship like that again. And that, that first, that was the shocker. Like, whoa, that can't ever be again. Just can't. And you have friendships that are sort of um, imitatable or replaceable or, or someone new comes into your life and they kind of fill that little hole, you know, but that this is a hole that they, it might get smaller, but it can't get filled. And, um, but it's not as big as other holes that may come into your heart. Right. But it's still there and it can't be filled 100%. There's other losses that in my life that I've had where the hole closes and I'm and I get through it and there's a, and it makes room for a new friendship, a new relationship that's beautiful in its own new way. Um, and it almost replaces, if you want to call it that. But this is, I would say, be ready to accept that the hole gets smaller, but it doesn't close because yeah. it's some relationships are once in a lifetime, um, yeah. at, you know, between you and that person. So, yeah, I, I think that's great. Yeah. advice. I, I think I would add to that, um, with some of the, the losses I've had is that, that, yeah, that whole, the description of the whole doesn't ever really fill, but I, I can think of all the wonderful memories and those wonderful memories make up for, you know, the, the pain that you have, because you've always, you'll yeah. always have those, right. It's just, oh yeah you, know, you, you, you always have those, those memories and, and thinking back on but I'm re I'm reaching an age where 
Um, like my kids don't want to hear these stories, you know, I mean, I probably end up telling them over and over again, uh, but they don't really want to hear it. So it, I'm finding, oh, I never in my life thought that I would want to stay as connected to, to the high school crowd. I wasn't against it. I'm just saying like, we're finding, we're all turning, you know, we're all getting into our sixties. So we're finding comfort in, in those relationships more than ever because we knew each other when and it, and it's a, so that's a that's a beautiful thing that's come from losing Jackie um you know at a young age she, her and her and her husband um were very central to our high school class yeah. uh and because they were dating in high school and there was always Jackie and John you know so yeah yeah so well, Susan, thank you so much for sharing your story with me and, and our guests. I really appreciate it. I, 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 again, like I said, I really, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, gosh, I would love to have had something like that in my life. So yes, you were, you were truly blessed. And again, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Good Grief. To hear more about my personal story, please pick up a copy of my book, The Day I Became the Spider Killer, a memoir of trauma, tragedy, and survival, available in paperback, Kindle, and Audible via Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other online book retailers.